0: Hi, this is Nick Forster. We're gonna share one of our favorite E-Town shows from the archives, and it starts right now.
1: Live from E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's guests from Portland, Oregon, Caleb Clowder and Reeb Wilms interview guest, Nona Yahia. And from Clarksdale, Mississippi, Christone Kingfish Ingram. I'm Helen Forster. Join me now in welcoming Nick Forster.
0: Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to E-Town Hall. So I don't know how many of you have seen uh, pieces and parts of the new PBS documentary about country music that Ken Burns' crew put together. But one of the coolest things about that whole program is that it shows that all music is connected, basically. The tree has a lot of roots, and those roots include old fiddle tunes and field hollers and blues songs and church songs and Hawaiian music and jazz and, and blues. It's all in there. So this week we get to kind of continue on that on that journey a little bit, connecting the dots between the Appalachian and Country and Western roots music of Caleb Clowder and Reeb Wilms, who are here from Portland, Oregon, and our first guest, Stone Kingfish Ingram, who grew up in Clarksdale, Mississippi. He started playing music as a kid, first drums and then bass and then guitar. His his mother and dad encouraged him, even took him to a um, the local blues museum where there was a program to get some guitar instruction from when he was little. And he took to it right away. And he practiced all the time. And when his friends were listening to hip-hop or rap, he was listening to Muddy Waters and Lightning Hopkins and Prince and other things, too. But um, as a teenager, he built a following. Fans called him an old soul because he could sing and play like somebody who'd been doing it for decades. He jammed with Buddy Guy, he kept Mo. Eric Gales, he played at the White House for oh, Michelle Obama when he was a teenager. His first record debuted at number one on the Billboard blues chart, Rolling Stone, Billboard, NPR. They're all calling him a, a prodigy. Well, he is here. He's really young. He's really good. He's a good guy. Uh, really happy to have him here. Please help me welcome, along with his band, Chris Stone, Kingfish, Ingram.
2: Seen a lot and I done a lot. Just too young to lay down and end at home. Well, I'm just trying to fly high and I die before I'm old. A the rocks on a chain gang up until the sun went. A too many souls on a bed and the dirt poured down to ground. Well, I've seen a lot and I've done a lot. Just too young to the lay down and end at home. Well, I'm just trying to fly high and I die before I'm old. for fun <laughs> people say I got an old soul and I Oh, I'm mm-hmm. a- Thank you.
0: Chris Stone, Kingfish Ingram, welcome to E-Town. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. You are a soulful player and a soulful singer. Thank you. And uh, you've been writing songs about that. I know there's a song on your record called Been Here Before. Have people been telling you that, that you're an old soul? Pretty much. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, um, I'm assuming that you grew up in a musical household, and you probably sang in church? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. My mom sings, and on her side of the family, uh, all of my uncles and aunts,
3: they, you know, all of them preach in church, and they sing in the choir, and they all play guitar. So she was taking me around them a lot, you know, around an early age, you know, to, like, different gospel programs and stuff.
0: Yeah. So they were pretty much, like, my first inspiration, you know. I should mention that your mom has a great name, Princess Pride, (laughs) and she's Charlie Pride's first cousin. Yep. First cousin. Yeah. That's wild. And um, so it was singing and more of a gospel scene than a country scene. What you were listening to when you were a kid? Yeah.
2: Pretty much.
3: Pretty much. uh, I had pretty much like my mom had all like all the gospel stuff and all like the you know soul and R and B stuff. While my dad and brother had the hip hop. So I was exposed to like country until later. You know. Yeah. Now, when did you start
0: writing songs?
3: I would always write songs when I was like around 12 and 13, like gigging and stuff, but I felt like they were crap, you know? So I felt like I didn't write my first good song until age 15, and that was outside of this town. And the reason being because that was the first time that I actually took a real life experience of mine and actually put it on paper rather than... Writing other songs
0: or singing about stuff I didn't hear, you know, yeah. that I know I didn't go through, you know? Right. And the song you wrote when you are 15 or 16, out of this town, is a really good song. And it's, uh, and it's about f- probably feeling that tight-knit community and wanting to break out a little bit, right, you know? Right, right. Um, well, how old were you when you played at the White House for Michelle Obama?
3: I think I was about 14. 14,
0: yeah. No, 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 15, because it was in 2014. So sorry about that, yeah. <laughs> So, um, so then you put your first record out. And it debuts number one on the blues chart, Billboard blues chart. You had just turned 20. Is that right? Yes, sir. So you said goodbye to your teenage years. And then you stepped up the big time. You've already accomplished all this stuff. <laughs> and now you're touring. You're traveling around. You're headlining shows of your own. What's surprising? I mean, you'd already spent time in the bars. You'd already played all the clubs. You'd, you know, you'd paid your dues. Now you're traveling around. Uh, what's surprising to you? I mean, honestly,
3: put all of it in a nutshell. I didn't think all of this was going to come fast, you know, from the, you know, album, you know, debuting at number one and everyone loving it. It's just, I felt like one day it was going to come, but I didn't think it was going to come this early. So, you know, honestly, so we're all, you know, long story short, all of it's overwhelming.
0: Yeah. yeah so. Well, you're up to the challenge, man. You sound great. You really play amazingly. And I should mention, especially for our radio audience, um, you're a big guy. And you've struggled with your weight since you were a younger person. And we hope that you're doing well and you're healthy and all that stuff mm-hmm. is working out. Is that okay? Is it, is it
3: okay? As, as since you said, it, I want to clarify. I just became a Presbyterian like the day the album came out. And I've actually gone down in my weight. Like this is a 4X shirt. I used to wear 6X. So I don't know where I'm at now, but I know I'm, I've gone down tremendously in like the last couple of months since May. So, yeah.
0: That's great. meanwhile we'll uh, we'll get back to music welcome back to E10 if you would Chris Stone Kingfish Ingram yeah. along with this band
2: different, it's like I don't fit in. Some kids like the greatest hits, but I like guitar slim. See your grandma saying it. And she'd be talking to the Lord. Well, I can still hear grandma saying, A hear before I don't know where I came from or how I got this way. A mama said the sky lit up with lightning on my birthday. See here, grandma saying, And she'd be talking too long. That's
0: Chris Stone, Kingfish, Ingram, from Clarksdale, Mississippi, along with Paul Rogers on the bass and Joe Eagle on the drums. The record is called Kingfish, out on Alligator Records. These guys are going to be back later on play some more music.
1: Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area. As a reminder for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel. Where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. And if you'd like to join us as we wrap up our 2023 season, we're doing a special show taping at Mackey Auditorium in Boulder on December 14th. It'll feature musical guests Madison Cunningham and Rufus Wainwright. To find out more or to buy tickets to attend, visit our website, eTown.org. You're listening to eTown. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Chris Stone, Kingfish, Ingram, he gets a great sound. Those guys will be back to play some more music later on in the show. I'm Nick Forster. You're listening to E-Town. Coming up, Caleb Clauder and Reeb Wilms are here from uh, Portland, Oregon, to play some music. But first, every week, we get a chance to share some stories that we um, hear about from listeners around the country who, who tell us about people who inspire them in their hometowns. And often these are volunteers or, or people are just looking around and trying to solve the problem. Sometimes they're authors or scientists or, or innovators in different ways. Um, and uh, we, we get these stories and we get to share them with you guys. And uh, this week, I happen to know, is a good one. And here comes Helen Forster to tell you about this week's guest.
1: They're all good, Nick. Nona Yahia of Jackson Hole, Wyoming joins us this week to tell us about a unique model for growing food sustainably. Now, many of us are aware that water has become an increasingly precious and limited resource. What with temperatures rising due to climate change and droughts occurring more frequently and intensely all over the world, All that, plus the fact that the world's population continues to increase, is putting a strain on traditional agriculture. Now, I hadn't realized this, but agriculture accounts for roughly 80% of our nation's water use. And in many Western states, it's actually over 90%. And this is according to the US Department of Agriculture. The system that Nona and her colleagues have set up in their town of Jackson uses significantly less water and grows plants noticeably faster than traditional farming methods. The project is called Vertical Harvest and Nona's here to explain how it all works. So please welcome Nona Yahia.
0: Hey Nona, thanks for joining us.
4: Thank you, Nick. It's so great to be here in beautiful E-Town Hall. Oh,
0: thanks. (laughs) Well, it's not too shabby in in Jackson, Wyoming, either. So thank you for making the trip. No, it's not. Um, But well, tell us, I know not all of our listeners have been to Jackson. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the town?
4: It's an incredibly beautiful place in the winter. It's about 15,000 people. In the summer, the population rises. To about 3 million because of Yellowstone National Park. Wild. And we're the gateway to that park. And so, one of the things that I love about Jackson is it's also a burgeoning foodie scene. Yeah. And I love participating in that. Yeah.
0: So, the, uh, the long winter means not exactly uh, a gardener's delight.
4: No, not so, at all.
0: But you came up with some cool ideas. What motivates you to start this project?
4: Well, none of us, you know, set out to be vertical farmers. Right. I'm an architect by trade. And I really got involved with architecture because at its best, it can be a vehicle for social impact and change. Mm-hmm. And it can really reflect a community's values. And so I was looking for projects like that. And we conceived of the idea in 2008, and if you recall where we were at that point, architecture wasn't a vehicle for much of anything. (laughs) There weren't many architectural projects to be had because of the recession. My co-founder was a sustainability consultant, and she was acutely aware of the fact that we import most of our food because of our incredibly short growing season. So we get our food from California, Mexico, Florida. And so she was looking for a way that we could create a local source of food in our community. And I had been working on a residential scale greenhouse uh, that Mm -hmm. would last the Wyoming winter. She asked me to help. So we came together, we brought our talents together, and we started looking for a location. And that's really how it all got started. Mm -hmm.
0: And tell us what vertical farming (laughs) is all about.
4: Well, it's really about using space efficiently. So it's farming in a controlled indoor environment, but by stacking growing systems, we can grow as much as we can in as small a space as possible. So in our three-story greenhouse, we've stacked three greenhouses on top of one another. And so we've created different microclimates to grow different crops and uh, we are able to grow a lot of food in a very small area.
0: That's wild. So what's the ratio of like what you can grow in your your world, vertical farming, as opposed to conventional farming?
4: Well, our farm exists on a tenth of an acre, and we grow the equivalent of ten acres worth of traditional farming. Oh, wild! Yeah.
0: Well, so it's pretty
4: amazing. Wow. And all year round, which for Jackson, that's pretty important.
0: That's pretty important. So <laughs> who works the greenhouses? you have a bunch of employees or...? Volunteers, or how does it work?
4: Well, that was another need that we addressed. So uh, Jackson's a ski town. People come to ski to party, and then they leave. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we had a local population that was looking for consistent, meaningful employment. So my third co-founder is an employment facilitator, and she said, hey, if you get uh, this greenhouse off the ground, would you consider employing my clients that have physical and intellectual disabilities. So we created an employment model based on that. Uh, This population had a 78% unemployment rate in our town and they want to find meaningful work. I have a brother with developmental disabilities and in our country, We really do a good job nurturing this population during education, but when it comes to employment, it's like falling off a cliff. So that became part of our mission from the very beginning.
0: That's great. What do you do with the food?
4: Well, we sell it to our burgeoning restaurant scene, uh, as well as our grocery stores. And now, recently, we've been growing enough food to be able to export to Idaho and Montana in the wintertime as well. That's wild.
0: That's wild. (laughs) And and um, and of course, you know, you're also cutting down on just the the carbon footprint of importing everything to Jackson in the winter time. You're actually yeah. making stuff that the restaurants can use. Is it a nonprofit organization that's doing the whole thing, Vertical Harvest?
4: No, it was really important for this not to be a charity. Nonprofits do amazing work in our communities. We all know that. Uh, but it, this was important for us to be a model, a sustainable model that could be scaled and replicated, and really highlight the notion that people with disabilities, and what we call actually who have different abilities, deserve the chance to work within a profitable environment. So from the outset, a lot of people really wanted it to become a 501 but we found what is um, known to many people as a B Corp, or in Wyoming, a triple LC, which is a for-profit business with a non-profit soul, which allows us to measure our financial goals alongside our social mission.
0: yeah,
4: And so it really creates a really wonderful culture.
0: Um, Helen was talking about the water uh, usage too. So we, mm. we haven't touched on that yet. So this is more water efficient than conventional agriculture.
4: Yes, we recirculate all our water. And so it's 90% more efficient than traditional
0: agriculture. 90% more, yes. more efficient. And when did you start this this project? Well,
4: it was conceived of in 2008, and we've been three years in operation now. Mm -hmm. And uh, our goal is 100,000 pounds of produce a year.
0: And so, Nona, is there a website if people want to see pictures and learn all about what you're up to? there are
4: great pictures of our amazing farmers. We call them Unexpected Farmers, and you can find it at www.verticalharvestjackson.com.
0: Verticalharvestjackson.com. Yes. And this model is replicable. It could be uh, used worldwide. It's super efficient. Mm -hmm. It's super productive. Uh, The output is healthy and nutritious. And the the employment model is really interesting, too, in, in that you're reaching out and really creating meaningful employment for people who could really use it.
4: Yeah, I think that is the thing that keeps us getting up in the morning. It's hard. Vertical farming is not for the faint of heart but our farmers who were before vertical harvest cleaning hotel rooms and washing dishes, and we all have to start somewhere. The difference is now they have a career path that not only creates the most important commodity to any community, healthy, nutritious food, but they are leaders in a fast growing industry that has the potential to help solve some of our world's most pressing problems. So it's a sea change of perception for this population. And I think We like to say that we grow food and futures.
0: Oh, that's great. Nona, thank you so much for sharing your story about Vertical Harvest. Once again, that's Nona Yahya from Vertical Harvest. (laughs) Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Thank you so much. Thank
1: you. Wow, what a great story. If by chance you tuned in in the middle of this segment and you'd like to hear the whole thing, as always, you can find this program for free through your favorite podcast distributors or on our website, etown.org. Thank you, Helen. Thank you,
0: Nona. Vertical Harvest. Um, we've got more music coming up from Christone Kingfish Ingram in uh, a little while. Right now, I'll tell you about our next guest. Caleb Clowder and uh, Reeb Wilms are real Northwesterners. Reeb grew up in a musical family in the wheat farming region of Central Washington State, watching her uncles and her dad play old country songs. And Caleb grew up on Orcas Island in the San Juans, pretty much due west from Bellingham, Washington. But his mother's family comes from Tennessee, and, and there was music in his world growing up too. They now live in Portland, Oregon, And they're part of a really cool and vibrant old time, country, Cajun music scene. And they're in bands like the Foghorn String Band, or the Caleb Clowder Country Band, or the Foghorn Duo or Trio, and just what we have here this week, which is the duet of Caleb and Reeb. They also play Cajun music with some of our friends like Joel Savoie and Dirk Powell, but whatever they do, these guys bring some energy and a ton of original songs. Sort of like the blues that Kingfish Ingram plays, the, the music comes from a deep tradition and they've really studied it and then they've added to it. So, happy they're here. Please welcome to Etown for their first visit, Caleb Clauder and Reeb Wilms.
5: Thank you. We're going to start with some Buck Owens for you. This one's called, There Goes My Love and we're gonna get the E-tones to back us up.
6: Because
5: you so much. We'd like to invite Helen Forrester out here to join us for some vocals on this next song. Make her welcome, Miss Helen Forrester. <laughs> well, uh, like Nick said, we do like to go down to Louisiana quite a bit and play with uh, some of our friends down there, like Joelle Savoie, Jesse Léger, and we've played with Dirk Powell quite a bit down there, and a lot of friends down there. But uh, this song I wrote long before I ever went down there playing Cajun music and meeting those folks. It's called New Shoes. One, two, three.
7: Oh, now you're going down to New Orleans. Baby, won't you take me with you? Oh, because I can't stand sit around wondering what it is Thank you,
0: Helen, Whew. Caleb Cloder, and Reeb Wilms, welcome to E Town. Um, so it's so cool. Your music sounds old, but it isn't a lot of times. So tell me a little bit about writing songs in the tradition, so that it'll actually, you know, fool people into thinking <laughs> it's an old song when it's not.
5: Uh, you know, I don't know. i uh, playing a lot of old traditional music for a long time. Yeah, I think has really just kind of embedded it in there.
0: Yeah. Um, Reeb, I know you grew up in the right smack dab in the middle of the Washington state. That's right. Up on a plateau, wheat growing plateau. Mm-hmm. Has your family been there for a long time?
6: Well, I'm the fourth generation on our farm. Yeah. My great grandmother grew up just over the hill. So I think we've been there longer. But been there a, <laughs> a while, yeah. On our farm anyway. And,
0: um, and music in your family, right? Yeah. And so when you're growing up, and, um, and, and I, I have a sort of Little House on the Prairie picture in my mind, but I'm sure it's wrong. It um, wasn't quite know. that
6: wholesome, but. Yeah. <laughs> 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 nearly, nearly as wholesome. Nearly
0: as wholesome. Yeah. <laughs> but I imagine there's some, uh, there's some get-together at the end of a long day's work, and people pull out the mandolins and fiddles and guitars and banjos and sing and play.
6: Yeah, I think that's true. I wish I'd been around to see my... Great uncles and grandpa play. I don't know what kind of music they played. I yeah. imagine it was some kind of pop at the time. You you
0: have their instruments though, right? I you do. have a couple of their yeah. instruments, yeah.
6: And you know, my my dad and uncles play when they get together and yeah. they, they've always been singers. They love to sing and they love to sing harmony. They all play guitar, they all learned how to play on their own. They started with a baritone ukulele and taught themselves how to play, and then yeah. moved on to guitars, so.
0: It's it's cool, and it's it's rare. I don't know how many people, raise your hand if you grew up in a house where everybody, at the end of the day, played music. Mm-mm, I don't, yeah. I'm, not, I don't I'm not seeing it. Yeah, so it is rare, that's, yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. And and Caleb, you're out there on Orcas Island.
5: Yeah. That's a statement,
0: to it's be a, from Orcas yeah. Island.
5: It's a long ways away. I mean, it's my mom's from Knoxville. My dad was from the southern part of New Jersey. And they, uh, they just needed to get out of the East Coast, get out, you know, move away. And they looked over in Alaska. They looked up and down the West Coast. They even looked over in New Zealand, they said. And they settled on Orcas Island.
0: Yeah. And what about music? You've got the Tennessee roots on your mom's side, and yeah. the uh, mom- Bruce Springsteen, New Jersey roots <laughs> on your dad's side.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I got all mixed up, didn't I? <laughs> um, my mom doesn't play at all. My mom's side doesn't really play any music that I know of. My dad played the trumpet and his mom played piano wow. so I didn't really get it in the house at all. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little
0: bit about the scene in Portland because you've got these bands you're sort of like uh, somewhere between a swiss army knife and a rosetta stone where you can sort <laughs> of like do all these different things and you fit into all these different
5: scenes. Yeah, oh yeah we have uh, like I said we have a, a country band a honky-tonk country band like this with a fiddle and we play in this great kind of a divy bar with a big dance floor. Mm-hmm. And we get a big dance crowd going, and yeah. there's a couple different dance scenes around town, you know, yeah. Swing and Lindy Hop and Honky Tonk. We're trying to get more Cajun music and dancing happening. Yeah. I started a festival.
0: Speaking of Cajun music, you guys were involved with a great tribute record to Jimmy C. Newman called Farewell Alligator Man. Uh, it's really a good sounding record. And Jimmy C. Newman, for those who don't know, was a Louisiana-born member of the Grand Ole Opry. He had the great nudie suit with the alligators on it. They called him the Alligator Man. Yeah, And he was a prolific songwriter. And a lot of people don't know that. And your record, in a way, was a real eye-opener for, even for me, who knew about him and his legacy. But I'd forgotten the songs that he'd written. Mm-hmm. Um, Farewell, Alligator Man, if you guys can find it. It's a great record out on Valcor Records. Well, listen, I, I think that you know, what I love about this combination of artists this week is just that you guys are so different from each other and so connected in, in ways that make sense, at least to me. So we've got more music to get to. Would you welcome back to E-Town, Caleb Clotter and Reeb Wilms.
7: Thank you.
5: All right, we're gonna get Nick and the E-Tones back out here. We were talking about that wonderful record, the tribute to Jimmy C. Newman. And like Nick said, a lot of people don't know who he is or was. He wrote songs like Cry Cry Darwin which are some of the biggest country hits ever. He also wrote a song George Jones made famous called Don't Stop the Music. And and another thing about Jimmy Newman is that back in the day, he was actually on the Grand Ole Opry and uh, came all the way from Mamou, Louisiana, this little tiny town in Louisiana. And it's the Cajun capital of the world. And he was singing these early songs where he was writing in English, even though he was speaking Cajun French. And he got all the way to the Grand Ole Opry. What a huge feat for a guy from Mamou, Louisiana long story short, here's a song that he wrote back in the early days called You Didn't Have to Go and it's just showcasing his beautiful lyrics and songwriting.
6: I think his old country songs are some of the great examples of where Cajun music and country music mix and influence each other so here's one of those songs one,
8: two.
7: Oh you didn't have to go You knew that I'd be blue And now you're far All right. Thank you.
0: Caleb Clowder, Reeb Wilms. The record is called Innocent Road, out on West Sound Records, along with e tones Chris Engelman, Christian Teal, Ron Jolly, and Helen Forster. Thank you. Caleb and Reeb.
1: This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination on the web at bohemianfoundation.org. And by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. Hey, if you're curious about eTown's home base, eTown Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, eTown.org. You're listening to eTown.
0: I'm Nick Forster. I'd like to say hello to our listeners who hear E-Town on stations like WKMS in Murray, Kentucky, on KKRN in Round Mountain, California, and on WNCS in Montpelier and Burlington, Vermont. As always, if you want more information about any of the stuff that's going on at E-Town, you want to get tickets to live shows or learn more about this week's guests, you can find all kinds of stuff at etown.org. Plus, you can always subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can find a few thousand great videos from E-Town. Okay, so we learned so far that all music is connected and the blues is part of everything. It travels everywhere, and there's an audience for American blues or bluegrass or country or old time or jazz or Cajun music literally all over the world. And we all should be proud of this amazing and peaceful American export. In fact, we might want to try to create the Department of American Music or something like that as a, as a part of the State Department because the world is safer when diplomacy is working and music does connect us all, so I think that might be something we want to check out. <laughs> diplomacy through music. I think we can do it. Right now, would you please uh, welcome back one of, I'm sure, one of our great ambassadors, Christone Kingfish Ingram. <laughs>
2: Breakfast, no butter on my roll. I ain't got a drop of milk for the corn flakes in my bone Well, I'm all fresh out. Said I'm all fresh out. Ain't had no loving since the day. Since the day away said I'm all fresh out no jelly in the jar no flour in the sack I ain't got nothing cooking baby please won't you come back well I'm all fresh out said I'm all out. ain't had no loving since the day since the day house, but me and an empty man, when well, I'm on fresh out, said I'm all, all fresh out, ain't had no laughing since the day, since the day you went away, said I'm on fresh out,
0: That is Chris Stone Kingfish Ingram from Clarksdale, Mississippi, along with Paul Rogers on the bass and Joe Eagle on the drums. I think we're going to remember this show. We're going to say, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember seeing him at E-Town. What a talent. We're going to do one more song and get everybody out here on stage. I want to thank all our guests. Um, I want to thank our interview guest, of course, Nona Yahia was here with Vertical Harvest from Jackson, Wyoming, telling us about super-efficient farming practices that she's launching. Uh, thanks to Caleb Clodder and Reeb Wilms from, coming out from Portland, Oregon. Thanks to the E-Tones and Helen Forster, and thanks to Christone Kingfish Ingram and his band. So, um, we always... We always have a great puzzle when we're thinking about what song we're going to do at the end, right? And so, continuing in our theme of all music is connected and it all shares the common roots, we found Jimmy Reed and Bill, Bill Monroe and worked with this little mashup. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in ETEM.
7: Hey, how about this be.
0: Till the well runs dry. You'll never miss your water till the well runs dry. You'll never miss your woman until she says goodbye. I don't leave, oh, leave, oh, leave.
1: This is a production of E-Town.